Merry Christmas. Oh, what a joy it is to get to worship the Lord and receive the Word of God with you today. I see a lot of plaid this morning. On behalf of the men of Christ Fellowship, ladies, we want you to know we love you very much, but we do not trust you anymore, okay? Just going to throw that out there. I'm so thrilled to get to preach the word this morning and so glad that you're here to worship with us today. Uh, before, before I dive into the sermon, I just want uh, to take a moment to say a word of thanks. Um, a few Sundays ago, um, there was a, a very, very nice card, very encouraging card and a gift left outside my office. And I don't know who it's from, but whoever you are, thank you. I'm overwhelmed by your generosity and I intend to find out who you are, so I can thank you in person. So whoever you are, thank you. Well, this morning, we are going to look at a glorious passage together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage this morning. Luke chapter 2. We're going to, I'm going to read the first 20 verses of this chapter, but this morning my focus will be just on verse 11. So as you're finding that, if you would stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. And Luke recorded the birth of Jesus like this. He wrote, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, 
the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Birth announcements are exciting. They are. And praise the Lord, we have a lot of them around here at Christ Fellowship Church. They're, They're exciting. It's a time for celebration and joy. I mean, even the announcement that a family is expecting a baby is exciting. I remember a few, few years ago, Alan Ross coming up to me before church and telling me that they were expecting their firstborn child. And then he goes, don't tell anyone. I'm not supposed to tell anyone. I'm like, come on, man. This is great news. And you expect me to bottle this up? Have you met me, man? <laughs> and somehow I kept it until they told everybody and then I let it out. I remember a few years ago, Jay and Angie showing up at at my front porch to tell me that they were expecting a child, and I think I surprised them with my excitement. Uh, It was so exciting. A baby's on the way. We got to, this is a reason for great joy. I I love telling the story of, um, my dad tells me of whenever I was born, that whenever, uh, whenever I was born, he was a disc jockey in a small town, small town of Ardmore. And whenever I was born, who did he call first? Did he call his in-laws? Did he call his parents? Did he call family? No. He called the radio station to have them announce his son was born. He had great joy and he wanted to share it with everybody. Birth announcements are exciting and fun. They're a reason for rejoicing. The baby's on the way. The baby is here. Let's rejoice. Well, this morning... Reading a birth announcement. The most exciting of all birth announcements. The most exciting birth announcement in all of history. And so this morning, even as we read this, we're, we, we have a problem that we face as we come to this passage. It's the problem of familiarity. We come to this passage and we have the danger of glossing over and just reading past it because, let's face it, we, we hear this every year, don't we? We hear this passage every single Christmas. Even last night, Linus was telling me as I watched the Charlie Brown Christmas, he was telling me again this passage. So it's easy for us to hear this and to not be moved by it because we've heard it so many times. So this morning, let me plead with you and ask you, don't check out because... You've heard it before. Don't zone out because it's familiar. But let us come together and listen closely to what the angel announced to those shepherds on that Bethlehem hillside over 2,000 years ago. This morning, I want to draw your attention to the announcement that the angel gave. Just just mainly the first part there in verse 11. There in verse 11, we we see this proclamation of good news. But then in verse 14, we see praise to God for this good news. And so we want to focus in primarily just on that first part. And on the night of Jesus' birth, the first people to hear this announcement of all people. it It wasn't those who lived in the royal palace. It wasn't those who were of noble birth. The angel didn't go to the religious leaders of that day. Instead, God made known the birth of his son to the lowly shepherds first. 
Now, this shouldn't surprise us. God, has a, God loves shepherds. Just read throughout the Bible. You'll find very quickly that God loves shepherds and uses shepherds. Abel was a shepherd. Moses, a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And how did David describe God? The Lord is my shepherd. So it shouldn't surprise us that the Lord, our shepherd, first makes this good news known to shepherds. And he comes bringing news of what has happened this day. Now, somebody joked with me asking, am I going to bring up that it's December 25th? And sure, it's December 25th today, but it wasn't December 25th then. We don't know when the day was, but the day is not important. The date is not important. What, what is important is the timing. The timing is everything. So when was, when was Jesus born? At just the right time. In fact, Paul puts it like this in Galatians 4. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. At just the right moment in history, God sent his son into the world. And God could have sent Jesus at any point in history, but he chose this exact moment. He chose to send him into the world in first century Palestine under a Roman empire. In the night of Jesus' birth, the angels, they proclaimed this good news of great joy to the shepherds. This, this gospel good news of great joy, this, this gigantic joy, it's mega joy, it is overflowing joy. And what is the good news? What is the good news of great joy? Jesus. Jesus is the good news of great joy. That, the reason why Christmas is a time of joy is because it ultimately points to this good news. It points to Christ. It points to the reality that God has become a man to save his people. And so this morning, we're going to look at Luke 2.11. And I want to just point out four reasons why Jesus was born that leads to your joy. And my purpose in preaching this passage, in preaching this verse in particular, is your joy. I intend to, to help you rejoice this morning by pointing you to this passage. Even though it's very familiar, I hope and pray that you would be reminded of the good news of great joy and that one, it would cause you to rejoice. That you would leave this place even happier than when you showed up. I know for some of y'all that's tough. Some of y'all that's really easy. <laughs> so I, I hope that you'll leave this place rejoicing even more after what you've heard from this passage. But secondly, I hope that this passage will cause you to go and share this joy. So that others may rejoice. In Christ. So let's look at this passage together this morning. Let us see these four reasons why Jesus was born that leads to your joy. Number one, Jesus was born for you. I've been looking forward all week to say that one sentence. 
I, Jesus was born for you. This is nothing short of astounding. Let this reality just sink in for a moment. The eternal Son of God came into this world as a baby for you. Now, we will never fully comprehend the, con- the condescension that took place when God the Son became a baby. He that is so transcendently and infinitely high above us stooped down to our level. This is unfathomable. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He said, I am persuaded that no man has any idea how wonderful a stoop it was for God to dwell in human flesh. I agree, Spurgeon. Even the Apostle Paul, he owns up that this is a great mystery. In 1 Timothy 3.16, he says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. Great indeed is this mystery. God became a baby. May we never lose our wonder of the incarnation. That the one who created life was born of a virgin. That he who created the vocal cords uttered baby noises. That the all-sufficient, self-existent one relied upon his mother to feed him. God became a baby. (laughs) I love what Kent Hughes said, pastor and commentator. He wrote, reaching for analogies helpful in understanding the incarnation. Some have likened Christ before the incarnation to a symphony. In all its complexity and power, magnificence carried over a grand expanse. But when he became a human... He became like a folk tune, simple and shortened. In this, he lost nothing of his Godhead, his eternal character, his attributes, his absolute purity, his changeless excellence. Jesus was still the symphony, the eternal son, but as a folk tune, a real man, he entered the human situation in a way that we could all understand. He is He's condescended. He has come down to us. God, the eternal, uncreated one, was born into this world. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And ultimately, this was all done out of love. God loves you. He came into this world for you. The Father has given the greatest gift of all in the giving of his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the angel proclaimed to those lowly shepherds that night, for unto you is born this day. That was true for them that day and that's true for you this day. Christ was born for you We cannot get to God in our own power, but the good news of great joy is that God has come to us. Jesus was born for you. So rejoice and be glad. This is good news.
This leads into the second reason Christ was born. Christ was born to save. Christ, Christ did not come to save angels. A few months ago, George preached that from Hebrews 2. For, for surely it is not angels he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He didn't come to save angels. He didn't come to condemn all of us rebellious sinners to hell on the spot. Even though he would be absolutely just and right to do so. He was born to save. For unto you is born this day a Savior. Now in, in, in that first century Roman world, their emperors were often referred to as saviors. And they were to be worshipped as gods by their subjects. And so the announcement of this newborn Savior in Bethlehem stood in direct contrast to the so-called Savior emperors of the empire. In fact, listen to this inscription that was written concerning the birth of Caesar Augustus. The inscription read, Since providence, which has ordered all things, is deeply interested in our life, has set in the most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior for both us and our descendants, that we might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassed all previous benefactors, and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of this God, Augustus, was the beginning of the good tidings for the world that came by reason of him. They're proclaiming that providence, this so-called God, had sent this God, Augustus, as Savior. And this was good news to the Roman world. So here, in Luke 2, we have, in direct contrast, the angel giving an announcement that the true Savior and God has come in Bethlehem. The angel announced the true good news. And unlike Augustus' birth announcement, Jesus' birth was, was good news of great joy. For you see, Jesus is the true Savior that was born into the world. Augustus could not save, but Jesus was born to save. In fact, that's what we see as we continue in the Scriptures. He is the deliverer, the rescuer. And what does he save his people from? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a, a saying, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. Jesus said in Luke 19:10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was born to save sinners. Are you a sinner? Rhetorical question, because the answer is definitely yes. Yeah, we, we've all sinned. You, me, all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all rebelled against God in our words, our thoughts, our actions. 
we have not loved God as we ought to. We've, we've loved lesser things and worshipped lesser things instead of, instead of Him. We were created to, to know and to worship Him, to glorify Him forever. And instead, we go after idols. We make idols. We're, we're so good at sinning that we look for new ways to sin. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We've lied, stolen, killed, committed adultery, coveted. We've sinned against the holy, righteous God, our Creator. And as a result, we've earned and we deserve eternal punishment. And God would be right and just to give us what we deserve. We could never pay the debt that we owe. We, we can't even plead that we've been good enough because even our good works are stained with sin. We're doomed. The only thing that we deserve is judgment. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas because do not fear. A Savior has been born. Jesus was born to save sinners. Sinners like you and me. In fact, we heard it at the beginning of the service. The angel told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was born to save. This is good news of great joy. He saves his people. Jesus is not a potential Savior. He, he doesn't leave anything to chance. He truly saves. He saves fully and completely. He loses none of his people. He's come to save them, and he will most certainly do it. In fact, that's what he says in John chapter 6. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all he has given me, but will raise it up on the last day. Jesus is Savior. And he truly saves. This is what he was born to do. And when he saves his people, he saves them completely, forever, and for good. John Calvin wrote, Christ is called Savior because he bestows a complete salvation. Spurgeon said, Christ is a great Savior for great sinners. Oh, isn't that good news this morning? Well, how does Jesus save? I was kind of getting a little antsy as Jay was praying because he was praying my sermon. So, but that's good. Repetition, it's good for us here. Jesus saves. He, he, he saves through his perfect life of obedience. He fulfills all righteousness. The law's demands that we have failed to keep, Christ keeps them perfectly. Not a millisecond of Jesus' life did he ever stray, did he ever falter or sin. Absolute perfection every moment of his life. He saves through his death as our substitute on the cross. Christ has bore the full wrath of God in our place. In fact, John the Baptist refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb that bears our punishment. 
And the full wrath of God that we deserve was poured out upon Christ in our place. Christ saves through His resurrection. The salvation of His people is guaranteed. The resurrection shows that that God has accepted Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus was born for this. He was born to save. Oh, rejoice and be glad this day. There is a Savior that has come to rescue us. We've been, if you are here today and you are not trusting in Christ to save you, oh, won't you turn this day from your sin and your rebellion and trust in Christ alone to make you right with God? All, all who come to him by faith, he will save. Jesus turns away no one who comes to him by faith. The invitation is open, so come to Christ He is a complete, perfect Savior. He is willing, ready, and able to save. So don't delay. Come to Christ. And when the angel is proclaiming that this baby that's been born is Savior, the angel is announcing that this is the long-awaited deliverer. This is the Savior that we've been looking for all the way back since Eden. When, When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden... God pronounced judgment upon their sin, but he also proclaimed the gospel there in the garden. And in Genesis 3.15, he told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Well, good news. The Savior, the serpent crusher, has come. The angel is announcing this that night. He's announcing that the servant of the Lord is here. The one that Isaiah prophesied who would come and bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. The one who would be stricken and afflicted by God. The one who would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. That it would be the will of the Lord to crush him and by doing so he would account many as righteous. The servant of the Lord has come. This is the Savior that the angel is announcing is here. Our Savior is born to rejoice and be glad because this is good news of great joy. Jesus was born for you. He was born to save. But thirdly, you see that Jesus was born to fulfill God's promises. The angel announced that the Savior is born who is Christ. This Savior is the Christ. Now, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is a title. It means Messiah, anointed one. This, This title signifies that Jesus was anointed to do God's work. Namely, the work of redeeming His people. And as God's anointed, he would act as prophet, priest, and king. And throughout the Old Testament, we see these promises that God is making, that his anointed is coming. Moses proclaimed in Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet, uh, raise up for you a prophet like me. Jesus is that prophet. David wrote in Psalm 110, 
The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is that priest. The Lord told David in 2 Samuel 7, I will raise up your offspring after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He goes on to write your house. He goes on to write and your house and your kingdom shall be, shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, part of that promise was fulfilled in Solomon, but ultimately this promise finds its fulfillment in, you guessed it, in Jesus. Because Jesus is this forever king. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is God's anointed prophet, priest, and king. And he has arrived the birth of Christ to that virgin in Bethlehem that night should cause us to rejoice greatly. Because this proves that God is faithful to keep His promises. We can trust God because He is fulfilling all of His promises. This virgin gave birth to the Son of God just as He promised through the prophet Isaiah. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. He was born in the city of David, in Bethlehem. The son of David, God's forever king, was born just as it was prophesied. In Micah 5.2, is written, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who's to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. It is no accident that Caesar Augustus wanted to take a census of his kingdom at this moment in history. It's providence. Because when the angel is proclaiming that the Christ is born in the city of David, he's proclaiming the fulfillment of prophecy. Because you know who's in the city of David at that time? David's son. Those who are of the lineage and line of David. And the angel is proclaiming the offspring of David is born. The forever king is here. The Christ, God's anointed, is born and he has come to do the work that was promised of old that would happen. In Isaiah 61, the first three verses, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. It's proclaiming that the Christ, he is the anointed one of God. And in the coming of Christ, we see the faithfulness of God to keep his promises God is not like man that he would lie. He promised that his anointed one was coming. And in the coming of this little baby in Bethlehem, God's keeping his promises. This is good news. This is a reason for us to rejoice this day. Because God is 
God is keeping his promises. We have reason for hope. We live in in some dark and uncertain days. We don't know. We don't even know what the rest of this day holds for us. But we can rest secure because we know that our God is faithful. And if you're unsure about that, look to the little town of Bethlehem. And look in that stable. Look to the manger. And you will see the faithfulness of God put on display. If you need more proof of the faithfulness of God, look a little bit further and look to the cross. And look to the empty tomb. And see how God has kept His promises to save His people. Our God is faithful and true. Christ the promise keeper has come. So rejoice and be glad this day. Christ was born for you. He was born to save. He was born to keep God's promises. But the fourth thing I want to point out is that Jesus was born to reign. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. One commentator said this, they said, the last title the angel gave to Jesus was Lord. This term honors, it's a term of honor that points to his deity and to him as sovereign ruler over our lives. Jesus is Lord God. And saying that Jesus is Lord is no small thing. It is proclaiming that Jesus is Yahweh. He is God in the flesh. And saying Jesus is Lord is proclaiming He is sovereign King. And then the angel he's announcing is pointed out just a moment ago. The baby is born in David's city. This, this is the son of David. The one that has been prophesied of. Now remember Caesar Augustus, he decreed all the world be registered. So David's line is there in Bethlehem right now. The Messiah has come. God's promised forever king from the line of David is here. He is the son of man that Daniel prophesied of. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations' languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. The God-man, Jesus Christ, shall reign as king forevermore. And his kingdom shall not pass away. This is the good news that the angel proclaimed. It's the same good news that Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. King Jesus reigns forever. And he has brought peace that will never end. In fact, that's what the multitude of the heavenly host showed up to proclaim that night. They, they proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. King Jesus has come to bring peace to all who trust in him. Romans 5.1 tells us this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were God's enemies. We were at war with God, rejecting his rule and reign. But Christ Jesus died for our sins in our place so that all who trust in him are justified. They're made right with God and now have peace with God. By turning from your sin and trusting in Christ, the war is over. The rebellion is ended. Now there is peace with God. Peace forevermore. We're no longer God's enemies. We're now part of His family. And we have peace. We didn't bring about this peace. We, if it was left up to us, we'd still be fighting. We'd still be dead and doomed in our sins. But God has done it all. And now the highest praise of all belongs to God for His great work of salvation. Now we can join the song of the angels that they joyfully proclaim that night. Now we can proclaim with joyful hearts, glory to God in the highest. Because we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because for unto you is born. For unto us a child is born. That long-awaited child that's been born is Jesus, the Son who is given. He's David's Son, God's forever King who will reign forevermore. He is the Savior, the mighty God who is able to save to the uttermost. He is the Christ. He is God's Messiah, the Anointed One, the Promised One. He is the Lord. And he reigns supreme. And he shall reign forever and ever. Say it with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, we have this good news of great joy. Our Savior has been born. So we see in this passage this good news. Christ was born for you. He was born to save Born to fulfill God's promises. He was born to reign. It's good news of great joy. It is all Jesus. He's the source and the fountainhead of, of all this joy. And there's no true joy apart from Him. This should cause us to rejoice with maximum joy. So, how should we respond to this good news of great joy? Well, let's 
Just look at what the shepherds did. What did they do when they heard the good news of great joy? They searched for Jesus. They heard the good news and what did they want? They wanted more. They wanted to experience it firsthand. It says that when the angel went away, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see. They wanted to behold Jesus. I just got to stop. This is too, too great not to share. The shepherds searched and what did they find? They found the lamb. I just, I really, that's awesome. They searched and they found the lamb of God in the manger. You have heard of Christ and the good news of his finished work. Don't, don't move on to something else. Keep searching for Christ. Keep going after Jesus continually be going back to to behold Christ in the word of God. Keep coming back to this good news over and over again. They searched for Jesus and they found him. You search for Jesus. Keep coming back to the word of God. Now the thing that we see the shepherds did is that they proclaimed Christ. It says when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. People, we don't keep good news bottled up. The the nature of good news is that it's meant to be shared. And we have the good news of great joy. The natural result is that we should share it. Go and share this good news that the Savior has been born Make known this great gospel. Do you know that you have family members and friends and coworkers that don't know of this, this Christ that's come to save? Do you know that there are people around you that don't, they've never experienced this great joy? They're still living in their sin apart from God and are doomed apart from the saving work of Christ. Right now, you might even have a specific person that's popped into your mind. Well, here's something. You have the good news. So go and share it. Go make known what you have been told. You've experienced great joy. And to keep this good news in and remain silent is just wrong. Christ the Lord has come to save us from our sins. So go and tell. The other thing we see the shepherds did was they praised God. They returned praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The good news of great joy should lead us to rejoice. If Christmas is not causing us to rejoice and praise God, then then something's going wrong here. The natural result is we should rejoice. The angels praise God. The shepherds praise God. What should we do? Praise God. For God has given us this Savior. Praise the Father for giving, for loving us and giving His Son for us. Praise the Son 
for hum- obediently humbling himself and condescending to us to save us. Praise the Spirit for revealing and opening our eyes to see this glorious good news of great joy. Today, if you're here and you've never turned from your sin and trusted Christ, if you've never experienced this great joy that comes from truly knowing Christ as Savior and Lord, oh, won't you please today trust in Christ. Turn from your sin and trust in Him before it is too late. Jesus came to save sinners Repent and believe this good news today. Don't delay. In his first coming, Jesus came meek and lowly. He came to save sinners through his perfect life, death, and resurrection. And Jesus will return again. And when the king returns, he won't be coming meek and lowly as a baby in a manger. He will come to defeat and judge his enemies. This will be a day of great joy for those who long to see his return, but for those who reject him and do not repent and believe the gospel, this will be a day of great terror. Listen to how Jesus is described in Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse And the one sitting on the horse is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in, in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The king will return. And it will be a dreadful day for those who reject him. But don't miss this today. The king is gracious and patient towards you this day, right now. He is offering you forgiveness and eternal life now. Do not reject his gracious offer. Because if you do, you will most certainly face the wrath of the Lamb. Repent and believe the gospel today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the giving of your Son to save us. Oh, let us never get over this astounding glorious reality that you love us and that you sent Christ to become like us to redeem us. Oh Lord, please, as we've heard this good news today, fill us with the joy 
that comes from, from this good news. And send out your people to go and make this good news known to the lost. Lord, we lift up those who've heard the good news of the gospel today who don't know Christ. Lord, please open their eyes to the gospel. Cause them to see that Jesus is the source of all joy. Cause them to turn from their sin and trust in Him today. Oh Lord, You are the God who saves and You most certainly can do this. And Lord, we pray that You will receive all the glory, honor, and praise of God of our salvation. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.